0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Money Men podcast, which is designed to talk about all things finance and wealth related. Please remember, this is general advice only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Seek professional advice which takes your individual circumstances into account before implementing any ideas or strategies mentioned in this podcast. Anyway, enough of the legal stuff, here comes Steve and Luke. Welcome to the Fortnightly Catch-Up of the Money Man I'm Luke Stiles and I'm joined with and by Stephen May. How are you, Steve?
1: I'm good, Luke. How are you going?
0: Good, mate. It's the 9th of September.
1: It is the 9th of September. Uh, we're up for another edition. Um, fortnight has seemed to be a long time this one. There's lots happened uh, in my
0: world and your world and
1: working remotely, etc. But um, what's happened in the markets?
0: Um, Aussie market, reasonably flat. Mm-hmm. Last fortnight, um, you've probably seen in the last couple of days that it's dropped, dropped a little bit. Um, just took we'll talk about that as we go on. And I think the US is down a little bit as well from fortnight,
1: yeah, a tiny bit, nothing substantial. Yeah. Um, yeah. this is sort of to yesterday. Um, I think the market started um, down a percent or so today when I was looking earlier. Um, yeah, so you know, it's a bit. Yeah, a bit all over the place, but it always is over the over short term, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. We say single right? every single, flat every flat single episode, we
0: say that. Yeah. yeah, flat over the fortnight. And and probably probably what a lot of people um, just need to take a bit of comfort in knowing is that, you know, dividends are beginning to be paid by a lot of the um, corporate earners in Australia. So, you know, if you're one of those investors, you know, in super or, you know, you've got a non-super investment investment, um, you're going to have reinvestment of dividends potentially coming through, so hey, a temporary reduction in the price of the share um, to time with your dividend reinvestment is actually a good thing. So mm-hmm. you know yeah. we do put the doom and gloom on when when you know prices start going down or the market's down a percent or whatever it might be, but now now's actually um, you know potentially not a bad time for it to be down.
1: Yeah, and people you know people need to remember that. Um, the fact that the share price goes down doesn't mean that the um, the company itself is um, you know deteriorating or um, mm. you know about to go broke. Um, it's just a, a function of the market and who's buying what on a particular day. If you're in a yeah. broadly diversified um, mix of shares in companies um, and uh, those companies are, are strong and large companies, mm. they're not going to go broke. Um, nah. It'll it'll just be a case of you having to ride it out. And those companies, as you said, will still um, you know, perform and uh, provide dividends, income to you. So, yeah, don't worry. We always say that, don't we? Don't worry. It's all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's easier to say don't worry <laughs> and, and, you know, just move on. But, you know, yeah. so there's a, there's a bit of method behind our madness.
1: Yeah. I was talking to um, a person yesterday who who told me um, that they haven't uh, really had a financial advisor or, or, you know, anyone to turn to um, regarding their super and their and their share investments. And, um, and he was telling me that in March last year, when, when the markets went down by, 30, what would say, 35%, 40%, um, mm-hmm. that uh, he took all the money out of, of shares mm-hmm. and, and just plonked it in cash um, within his super fund. Um, yep. And uh, he said he's sort of kicking himself that he did that. And uh, I can understand why, because yep. he, you know, he's, he's missed out on the rebound, hasn't he?
0: It, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, back, back to that point, Steve. like you know, if you've got one Commonwealth Bank share and it's trading for a hundred bucks a day, but you go through a rough patch and, you know, it temporarily reduces by 50% and it's trading at $50. How many Commonwealth Bank shares do you have? You still got one. But if you realize that loss, pop it into cash, the, the re-entry, you know, and, that, and that's with perfect hindsight, that's what you would do. Of course you mm. would. But but we don't have perfect hindsight. And and you know, you've got to pay tax potentially tax on the way out, potentially. Mm. Um, you know, you've got transaction costs, and then you've got to make the decision of actually re-entering the market. So, mm. you know we, there's there's plenty of opportunity to miss miss the upside. And I think there's been a hell of a lot of studies actually done that if you're out of the market for, you know, the best six days of you know yeah. the trading month. Um, you know, you, you're, you're way behind the eight, eight ball. So you've you've arguably got this tiny little window to make a big, ballsy call to get back in. Um, mm.
1: yep. You know, so, so it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, Don't, uh, it's time in the market, not timing the market that will give you, you know, the, the returns and results. Um, what else has happened in the last fortnight? COVID's still around, um, lockdowns are around the larger part of the state and the country. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe we'll get out of lockdown then well, we're in, in Newcastle you know, Sydney and, uh, and cool. other parts of the country are all in lockdown as well maybe yeah. we'll get out by christmas 2050 that's all right like that. no. yeah. yeah we'll be right <laughs> will we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um i think um i think it's starting to wear a little bit thin on on everyone um you yeah. know um, just because it's a, a whole different different world isn't it but we'll get through it as we get through everything um and uh hopefully on on the flip side, uh, we'll all be in a good space. yep who are we going to talk about today? Uh, we've got
0: income protection on the on the topic list today, Steve. We're then going to run through um, some options for you know people who might want to um, start investing and and just talk about the Vanguard personal investor uh, website yep. so. Um, probably pretty topical at the moment. I mean, you know, depending if you've you, if you've watched the snippets of the news, but it, the new report by APRA and, and the ATO for the underperforming super funds and and you know we we talked about it briefly, but it's actually been announced and and the funds have been named. Mm-hmm. Um so just just cover that. And then, you know. The 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 next part of the topic is going to be the renting versus buying a house. I mean, obviously, again, very topical. Houses are expensive. Um, they always seem expensive, um, or, or versus, you know, potentially investing that money um and earning a rate of return on that money and renting uh, indefinitely. I um, mm-hmm. this is the comparison we're gonna make. Yeah. Um, and then right. if anything else comes up, we'll 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 cover we'll it.
1: We'll talk
0: about that as well. Yeah.
1: No worries. All right. Well, we'll just quickly touch on the uh, the income protection insurance uh, piece. Um, and we wanted to bring that into this episode just because there are some reasonably big changes happening in that space. So, yeah, we all know that uh, your life insurance and income protection insurance is boring. Uh, we, all, we, know, we get that. And should we really even talk about it in a podcast? Well, we are. Um, but income protection insurance, you know, we've spoken about it before. It's an insurance that uh, replaces, um, a large, can replace a large part of your income if you're um, ill or injured. Yeah, you know, it's as uh, simple as that. Um, there are lots of different, um, you know, takes on how policy can be structured, but but essentially, a portion of your income will be replaced if you have an event, an illness, or an injury that um, that causes you to be able to claim. So um, that's all well and good. What have the insurance companies been um, screaming and moaning about? Um, recently uh do you think
0: they're losing i know they're losing a hell of a lot of money Um, Mm -hmm. and so and and the regulator has actually stepped in so apra has stepped in to to ensure that they remain viable um you Mm -hmm. know so the regulator wants to make sure that these businesses actually remain viable they can continue to pay claims which you know i think they i think they can and they do prove that they do do that um but, you know, the profit margins are being squeezed and, you know, they're probably, you know, tilting into lost territory on some products. And 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 that's really been a legacy um, of, you know, offering a really, really, really good solution um, for probably the last 15 years in, in their suite of, you know, things like disability products and, and you know, now, now they've potentially become unsustainable. So... They've they've basically been forced to. This is the insurers basically being forced to create a product, you know, a, a suitable, you know, insurance disability product that's more sustainable.
1: Yeah, and yeah. So as a result, there've been some changes that have been dictated. On it, I guess so. Um, you know, so there's no no more agreed value income protection policy now. There, there hasn't been for a little while, but existing policies have been able to be maintained and added to, um, but. Um, From um, October, um, any new insurance around income, income protection insurance, will have to be done on an indemnity basis. So an indemnity basis means basically the insurance company is on the hook for replacing income that you have actually earned um, over the previous 12 months or average of the best 12 12 months over the previous two years or or something like that. and that, that's designed to um, get rid of, the, I guess, the the conundrum, not the conundrum, but the issue where a person could have actually taken out an income protection policy for $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, they roll along for a few years or five years or 10 years or whatever it is, and they have a claim, but their income at that point in time is only $5,000 a month. Yeah. But under an agreed value policy, they could actually go to the insurer and say, hey, I'm disabled, I can't work, pay me 10 grand, which is more than what I'm currently earning now. So. So, yeah, that makes good sense, um, you know, to to sort of get that sort of policy out of uh, our world because clearly um, it's unsustainable to have policies that do that.
0: Um, First and foremost, they were a more expensive policy to take out as the life insured. Mm. But Mm. what sort of uh, clearly occurred over time is that it's fairly evident that people who were taking it out maybe actually you know, had a bit more information than the insurer Um, and, you know, I've got to be careful what I say here, but they might have known that their incomes were going to be, you know, fairly fairly variable Mm -hmm. Um, and there may be a time in the future where they weren't earning as much. And, you know, as a consequence of the type of policy they could claim more than what they earned. Um, So, you know, from an insurer's perspective, like that's, that's straight off the bat that's a pretty risky product to you know
1: well, it's, a, it's a bit like um a general insurer you, know, you go to you know a general insurer agreeing to um to insure your house for two million dollars um but the house is only worth one million yep. right?
0: dollars so happen.
1: that that would that would be dumb <laughs> and it yeah. doesn't happen you know yeah. so um, you can you can insure you can insure your house for as much as you like, but the insurer is only ever going to replace the value of your house at
0: the time of burnt down, the indemnity value. So yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's a that's a really valid point. So there's a, some sustainability changes there, but the, but there's more than that, Steve.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, the, the biggie, the big one. I think is um, that currently, when you take out a, a retail, um, you know, the the good normal insurance policy. It's, it's what's called guaranteed renewable. So um, provided you pay your premiums, you pay for the policy, then the insurance company normally can't cancel the policy on you ever. Yep. Um, the insurance company has assessed the risk at the start, is happy to take it on, and as long as you pay your premiums, they can never cancel or change the, the policy to to a great extent. Now, well, That's going to change from the 1st of October. So... They'll no longer be able to be offering those sorts of policies, Um, and instead the policies will be subject to a review every five years in regard to income, occupation, and the the terms and conditions of the policy. That's pretty big. and you know you probably need to understand that when you when you're looking at income protection and taking it out
0: It but probably
1: probably raised the issue that if you are looking seriously at taking out an income protection policy mm-hmm. then maybe the next few weeks is the time to to get in and do it yeah. so that you can take because advantage policy, of yeah, because the
0: policy mm-hmm. being offered uh you know after October is going to be a lesser type of policy that's available now like that you know, yeah. that, that 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 can be said with absolute confidence
1: yeah, and then the other thing is that there will be stricter rules around um, the claims and, and the cover. So, for instance, um, you know, disability at the moment with lots of policies is around um, you know a three-tier definition. So, a reduction in, in duties, inability to perform certain duties, or a reduction in hours, or reduction in income, or, or or a mix of those. That's yeah. um, going to come down to a one-tier definition based on important duties um, more than anything. So. Um, there's a lot of intricacy to it, um, but um, yeah, I just wanted to get out there that things are changing. Yep. Um, the policies will be less um, uh, in favour of the consumer, which is yeah, you know, has to happen because the the current policies are unsustainable. Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if if income protection is on your radar, reach out to someone, get on and do your research, but do it quickly um, so that you can take advantage of the current rules. Um, otherwise, it's the new rules, and uh, it's probably not the end of the world anyway. Let's move on. Income protection insurance section is over, all right? Phew, says everyone. Thank
0: you. you got Thursday.
1: Yeah. Vanguard personal investor. Um, Because the share market has been performing so well over the past sort of 12 or 18 months, um, you know, normal human behaviour is that everyone wants to get a piece of it, okay? Best time to I've got a piece of it would have been eighteen months ago, uh, but there's never a bad time, is there? As yeah. we as we always say, um, but people don't really know how, you know. So, you know, most people have exposure to the share market in their super funds, um, and if they use the right type of super fund, they can actually um, choose. Um, specific shares and companies to invest in. Um, You know, they want to invest in Woolies and and, and, um, West Farmers and Commonwealth Bank and whatever. They're using the right sort of fund. They can do that. Um, But outside of CEPA, people don't really, a lot of people really don't know how to get started. Um, So I thought, okay, if you're a new investor and looking at how to get started and and into the market, how could you do that? Um, And one of the painless um, diversified ways that you can do that is by using a product called Vanguard Personal Investor, yeah. um, which is an online um, investor platform um, that um, and, uh, enables people to invest in either uh, Vanguard um, funds or ETFs
0: mm-hmm.
1: or the top 300 Australian yeah. shares.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, or yeah. a combination, or, or a mix, or blend of all of them. Yeah. Um, have you got enough? Have you got enough knowledge of Vanguard to give people a you know, one-minute um, rundown of who Vanguard is?
0: Yep. So Vanguard, are one of the largest uh, fund management companies in the world. Yep. Um, they've got a mutual ownership, so they don't don't physically have um, you know shareholders sitting. Sitting in the background, wanting you know, wanting to get a profit out of you know, or cut out of everyone or cut out of the investors. So that's that's pretty important. And that and they typically take, or they're known as taking a an index approach to to investing. So where they buy and hold the market, um, mm-hmm. you know, the top three hundred stocks on on the Aussie or you know, the top. 500 in the US or whatever the market is, they, 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 you know, go and seek out and sort of have a benign approach to buying and holding these investments based on their value within the market. Um, and, the, and, the, and the reason why they do that is that, you know, based on strong evidence that, you know, over the long term, uh, stock pickers can't outperform the market. So why do it? Um, you may as well get low cost exposure and and potentially outperform the people who do try and pick stocks. So that's yeah. a that's the you know that's probably the short um, quick summary. good, that's We've that's a, a good, a
1: good yep. Good summary. Um, so within that platform, it's e- you know easy enough to get on. You you um, put your name and details in and um, uh, bank account number and away mm-hmm. you go. Um, yeah. Put some money in and you can you can buy. So. There's up to 38 um, Vanguard managed funds um, and 27 ETFs, um, and then, as I said, the, um, the pick of the, the top 300 uh, Australian yep. companies that can be purchased, and it can all be done at a pretty, pretty um, uh, low, um, low rate. So, for the Vanguard um, ETFs and managed funds, there's no there's no management fee, uh, platform management fee on that. Um, um, those funds themselves uh, and ETFs, are, you know, the internal management fee or, or yeah, is around about 0.25-ish to 0.3%.
0: Um, which, which, for reference for people out there, probably sits around, you know, a fifth, anywhere from a fifth to a tenth um, in comparison to the active counterpart. Yep. Lower, lower.
1: Yep. Um, And then, you know, if they are buying into the ETFs and the direct shares uh, in the ASX, then there's a brokerage fee of $9 per trade, which isn't that big. So it's actually a a pretty um, easy um, and low-fuss way to get some exposure to the share market. Now, a new person, it's actually a good way for a younger or, or a new person to invest in to maybe get some exposure to a, you know an a s x three hundred e t f um and maybe a, a US, um or, or international e t f and then as they learn um maybe start to take some direct stock picks if they are interested and keen and are prepared to do their research yeah. um so i thought uh i'd just sort of uh promote that um but not recommended of course so, you know it's not it's not something you just do without without researching, and it's not something that I'm recommending people go out and do. I'm not allowed to do that in this podcast, of course um but um get on and have a look and have a bit of a play around with it, and uh, you'll see that it's just a good low cost easy way to um to get some exposure to the share market, which yep. is the the question that's coming up a lot. Are there any other ways to invest? Yes sure.
0: Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There's, there's lots of different ways to invest, Steve. I mean, you know, the tradition probably the traditional ways, you know, your traditional stock brokering account that, you mm-hmm. know, you might go and open or buy that, you know, is affiliated with, with your banking products. So I know with my CBA banking products, I've got a ComSec trading account. Um, you yeah. know, that's-
1: So what, so what's the mechanism there? What happens? You it's basically you go in probably go into in their banking, click the button that says open a ComSec account. Um, oh,
0: no, Steve. I go into the. I, I went to the branch to open this one.
1: <laughs> yes, I, all, I did. Um, sure. but <laughs>
0: but
1: I, I'd be pretty. I don't bank Commonwealth, but I'd be pretty sure there's a button you can press on but, on the, on the banking platform. There,
0: <laughs> there is. There is now. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So again, fairly mm. simple, fairly mm. seamless. Um, you know, same thing. Um, you know, the product provider isn't isn't necessarily charging you to to open the account uh so mm-hmm. much as the as the benefit of them is profiting from the brokerage um, mm-hmm. when you yeah. don't buy, buy the share or whatever it might be. Yeah.
1: So, so if you open a comsec account or like I personally use Nab a NAB Trade account. Yeah, imagine that fairly does so, so the same thing. Um, um, then basically you can you know you, you fund it, you get you get money transferred across from the bank account into the trading account of the of the platform. And then you can buy and sell stocks and ETFs and all sorts of things, um, all the things that, that trade on market. So, um, yeah, that's another way to do it. It's probably a bit more active and um, requires a bit more thought and and um, and yeah, activity, but yeah, it's there. And then there are other platforms out there like um, RAIZ, is that the one, yeah. R-A-I-Z? Um, yeah. Spaceship, I think, is another one. Is that the, the one? Where um where you can um and they 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 are pitched towards you know younger people who yeah. who want the excitement and the and the, sure. buzz, the buzz around it around it um but but they do similar things to um you know, to the Vanguard platform in that That's they right. they have some you know portfolios there that people can go in and buy and and do and manage um through that particular platform so there's a number there um I thought I'd use Vanguard Personal Investor to get the conversation going um people can have a look at that. Um, I'll put a link to that on on our notes. Um, but as always, it's, yeah, you need to you need to do your research before you invest in anything, and it's not a bad idea to get um, some good advice from from someone, whether that's you know comprehensive in nature or just
0: general in nature. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but enough on that topic. We yeah. good there?
0: No, I think I think it's I think you know to your points, David. You know we're not we're not making a recommendation to use a certain thing, but you know I think it's so so important that you know people are uh, potentially armed with a bit of info to to go and you know have have the benefit of looking at one thing or looking at another and go, yeah, yeah I know a little bit about that um, mm. I can explore it a bit more now um yeah and and just understand where we're coming from, you know we're 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 we will um we're very vocal in our support to, to you know, the Vanguard um, side of things because, you know, the more, you know this type and style of business that they operate. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we yeah, we do talk about them, um, but we talk about them for a certain reason, and I talked about that earlier, is that, you know, they're a large institution and they don't have shareholders sitting behind it that are, you know, clipping the ticket at every at every point. So, you know, that, that's a pretty important distinction. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely okay we uh we'll talk about some bad super funds Mm. that's interesting isn't it um so um a little while ago the government's your future your super reforms came into effect um only a matter of a month or two ago um and part of that will require the superannuation industry to improve its efficiency transparency and accountability good luck with that (laughs) <laughs> yep, but um, but uh, one of the things that uh, that, that APRO, which is the, the regulator, is required to do, is conduct conduct an annual performance test yep. for what are called my super products. So my super product is, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, is basically the default low cost, balanced generally investment option that members would be in if they didn't make an election otherwise
0: yeah so every every fund i think has to have one mm-hmm. um and you know if you don't make a call or an election and you you've got a super fund open for you you know because you've started a new employer with you know xyz employer and xyz super funds opened up into the my super option um, mm-hmm. to your point steve it's usually you know the, the middle of the run solution within the product um, yeah. so you know it's balanced um And, you know, it's typically their lower cost solution, uh, although not always. Um, And, yeah, so...
1: so. And and generally, not generally, it is only one option available within the fund. All right, so there will be more than one, there'll be more than a MySuper option available um, with any super fund. All right, but all that's being compared in this exercise other mm. the my super sort of default type option, so that's important to understand. Yeah. So, so just because a fund appears on this list of failed funds, all right, doesn't necessarily mean there isn't a better investment option within the fund yeah. that could be Pure, used.
0: Purely yeah. from a performance perspective, yeah, absolutely, mm. or a cost. Yeah. Perspective. But it's, yeah. Yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Because like. So there's been 30, I think there's been thirteen funds, you know, outed on on the bottom of the list. And I, yeah. I don't know if there's an actual ranking as to you know who's the worst and who's the, you know sits sits on the you know right, right on the bottom. I think it's just a cutout of going, hey, these guys haven't passed the mm. the benchmark or, yeah. or failed it by more than half a percent. I think that's the that's yeah. the requirement. Now it's it's pretty crazy because like the this, the suggestion from APRA and that, that and so that's the regulator um and, and okay so there's the suggestion that you you potentially sit in a poor performing fund um mm-hmm. the the moment you've been listed in this you know in this fund and and there are some metrics in there that have taken you know long-term performance i think over you know they try to um test it over seven years so you know you that's probably a good sample of you know knowing if you're in a good performer or a bad performer um However, not all these funds are equal. Not Mm -hmm. all of them have the same style of investment. Some are, you know, invested completely differently and some have, you know, some liberal options as as to how their investment performance is actually recorded. So, um, you know, you and I know this, but a balanced fund, typically in Australia, if someone mentions you're in a balanced fund, um, typically it means that, 70% 70% of that asset is sitting in growth. So it might be Australian equity and international equity. And then 30% of it is sitting in defensive assets. So it might be you know, cash, term deposits, bonds. Now, straight off the bat, balanced doesn't make sense there to me. Um, so balanced to me would be 50-50. Um, but but balanced automatically here, not automatically. The implication is that it's actually seventy thirty. That that's the that's the language that sort of falls around um, the industry. So so straight off the bat, you, you're confused with what a what a balanced portfolio is. Um, and then building on that, the my super option for one fund may you know as far as the complexion and makeup of the fund may be completely different to another. So let, let's just boil that down. If you've got one fund um, over the last seven years that's had more growth assets, so shares and, you know, uh, yeah, so shares in effect or property assets, then another fund on that list that's held, um, you know, less less than those amounts, it's had some defensive assets. Well, which one's performed better? The one Hmm. that's held more assets
1: more
0: but as you as the investor that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right or wrong fund especially if your risk profile you know you you required something that was a little less risky so mm. you know the, it the implications that you know a letter comes out to you because this is what's going to happen APRA is requiring the super funds to write out to the members and say you've you we've failed the test this year we've underperformed um but the implication is that you know your fund is bad, which is not not exactly right compared to you know.
1: Compared to what? Um, yeah, so I think I think the you know, the the reasoning behind it is is sound. Like we, you know, no one wants people sitting in a poor performing fund um, forever, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's fair enough. But you know, whether it's right or wrong. Do you want to know who the thirteen who failed are? I'll tell you. Well,
0: uh, it's not privileged information, so yes, Steve, go, go for yeah,
1: it. Well, it's all, it's all there and, and, and available, isn't it? So AMG Super, yep. their AMG My Super option, um, Asgard Independence Plan Division 2, mm-hmm. as opposed to Division 1, I guess,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: the Australian Catholic Superannuation and Retirement Fund, Lifetime <laughs> One product, AV Super Fund, AV Super Growth, BOC Gasses Superannuation Fund, Christian Super, Colonial First State First Choice Superannuation Trust, Commonwealth Bank Group Super, Energy Industry Superannuation Scheme Pool A, Labor good. Union Cooperative Retirement Fund, Maritime Super, Retirement Wrap, and the Victorian Independent School Superannuation Fund. So um, the members of those funds who are in those investment options are going to get a letter soon saying, hey, we, we've, we haven't performed, do you want to get out? All right. So, it's interesting because, as I said, a lot of those funds are actually industry funds, aren't they? They are. Yep. The one, the ones where people get on the ads and put their hands in that funny cube box, boxy thing and, and say that it's better.
0: Um, and and say so how how well they're performing.
1: Yeah. So anyway, we won't get into that that argument, that that old chestnut. <laughs> but um, but I guess my point here is that. Yes, there has been an announcement that thirteen investment options have failed the test. Um, if you get a letter, um, you should just use that as a catalyst to do to do your research. Okay, just do your research around um, what's going on with your particular fund and investment option, and um, reach out and get some advice around what you what you should do about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you as you said. Um it's not always comparing apples with apples um and that's why it's important to do your own research and get your own advice
0: it's interesting uh, i was I was reading an article um so one of the funds that's been um ousted in there is the maritime superannuation fund um, uh-huh. now the the this there's so the, so their their members are going to get a letter uh, uh-huh. to say my, our, my super product has underperformed now the chairman of the fund has actually so the chairman of the super fund has 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 actually got another letter um written, has written out another letter to the members in his capacity as the um i think the chairman of the union so he's also the you know the chairman of the maritime union and and in his capacity he said you know stick with the fund um, you know, in effect, you know it's not all bad, um, and you know we've got good performance. And and I think in the letter he cited that you know if you look at the past two months we've had pretty good performance, which is insane because um, the, the like but yeah. compared compared to what? But you know it's it's just interesting to see the tactics um, that are being employed. Um, by some of these, you know, heavily entrenched products, um, to, to to make sure that members, you know, don't move out. Um, yeah.
1: Well, there's it, a lot of money in it, isn't there? There's a lot of a lot of money in money even member fees. So, um, but anyway, we we must say that what you just mentioned about that particular fund is alleged. You know, we we don't know. We we read that in a, in an article. Um, so um, we're, not, we're not saying uh, that that, in fact, happened in exactly, exactly well, uh, yeah, that matter. But yeah, kind of that's the right. flavor so, of it, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. We, we always talk about making sure that you're investing in things that are transparent and you know what's happening. Um, and unfortunately, in many superannuation funds, um, that are being actively managed by whoever. Um, it's not that. Tra- it's not transparent. You d- you don't know what's what's being invested in Okay, So um, just be careful of that and um, do your research and do your homework and get advice. So we might might leave it there before we get in in legal trouble. Look, we won't get in trouble. <laughs> no, we'll be right. We won't we'll be we good. We'll, we'll be good. Okay. Uh, last topic on the list. Um, it's come up for me a little bit recently is around uh, it comes up quite often doesn't it The of uh, buy versus rent um conundrum um mm-hmm. now we know that um you know, people in australia and in many developed countries like to um live in the house they're buying or, or own. um but it's not the only way to, to look at it is it um you know there are plenty of people who don't want a home to live in mm-hmm. Uh, or think that um, they're going to be um, destitute in retirement because they haven't got one. Um, yep. so, so I thought we might just talk about the what ifs around what if, what if you rented for the rest of your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: instead of bought a house.
0: Yep, okay.
1: Can we do that? i did I asked you to actually do a bit of homework on this and and put a bit of a model together do you want to um you want to just kick this one off for me and yeah, yeah, run sure
0: so the situation that we we just you know and everyone you know this is impossible to pin down to someone's specific circumstances without yeah. you
1: know, just a, just yeah, an idea yeah
0: without dealing them so so in this example we just wanted to get a 40 year old um you know we just assumed they're single um and And they're earning a hundred grand a year, and you know so today they either go out and buy a house for seven hundred and fifty grand or they retain they remain renters, and then you know they pay a a you know fixed amount for rent of five hundred and fifty bucks a week, which is less than what the mortgage is going to cost mm-hmm. and and the difference there they actually pump in. To superannuation, so so in my so the, sense, the difference
1: between what they'd pay in rent and what they would theoretically pay a mortgage payment pay
0: they pay, put
1: into investing, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So so in this in this example, um, you know, we've we've got a seven hundred and fifty grand loan. So that so this income earner is owning hundred grand. He's got a fifty four grand, you know, home loan repayment, which is a function of the principal and interest in year mm-hmm. one, and you know, and he's got that every other, every other year thereafter, so until the home's paid off. Mm-hmm. Now we then got the situation of this this you know same person renting and paying 550 bucks a week in rent so you know 20 28 grand a year in rent and then the the residual the you know so roughly you know a bit less than half is actually getting pumped into superannuation so and he's earning 7% a year in super as a you know as opposed to paying paying off his mortgage now possibly unsurpris i don't know unsurprisingly you know who who ends up with more money well the the person who's putting money into super, but at the end of the day um, they don't have a house to live in, and so you can look at it and go well you know they're they're paying rent indefinitely um, but it's proving a point that this person can. You know, technically go and fund the same lifestyle as, you know, someone who's purchased a house um, and at retirement fund the same level of income and rent, um, you know, that, that the person who owns the house and doesn't have a mortgage with. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some and they've ended up with more money. Like, and, and can I just point out that the, the reason why that's occurred is that because the money has been reallocated or the surplus that didn't go into paying a home loan is going to an asset that's earning income mm-hmm. um, and earning a rate of return, we're assuming a rate of return higher than the cost of the debt. So that, mm-hmm. there's, some, there's some very, you know, liberal assumptions there, um, which aren't going to carry forever. So, you know, we, we can only work with some fixed assumptions, but... The, mm-hmm. It shows an interesting picture around, you know, someone's function, you know, an an ability to actually uh, rent their lifestyle, um, i.e. the house they want to live in and invest the surplus. It's uh, totally possible.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, What happens when people buy a house is that they're basically forced to pay that loan um, and uh, forced to pay it off and pay it down and own, own an asset at the end. The, the piece that can go awry when people are renting and then investing in a surplus is that they don't invest the surplus. Yeah. Um, and if they don't invest the surplus, then they're going to be way worse off, aren't they? Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because so yes, it
1: requires discipline and a plan. The
0: surplus and they've still got a cost and they've still got rent, <laughs> rental expense. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the beauty of the buying of the house in this instance is at some point in time, the house is paid off and you don't have as high ownership cost. Mm. Uh, to, to, to be in that house, whereas the person who's renting is always going to have the rental expense. So, w- what's the key? What's the key here to make something like that work? Discipline.
1: Mm. Absolutely, discipline's the key with anything, isn't it? Mm. You know, anything yes. uh, goal related. So, you know, it, as you said, it it's a case of yeah, you, you, know, you could run a thousand scenarios on this. And come up with a different result depending on what um, parameters you, you work with and what what assumptions you made. Um, I did another very simple exercise similar to what what you did, um, and I said, "Well, what what if someone's twenty years out from retirement? They don't have any other asset, All right. And um, their strategy is that they're just going to take 150 grand, put it into a house deposit, borrow six hundred thousand dollars." Mm-hmm. Um, and have a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars property, and they're just going to do that for the next twenty years. They're going to pay down that loan, then mm-hmm. they're going to retire and own their house. So they did that. That it cost them about like, you know nine hundred eighty dollars a week um, in loan repayments. Yep. Yeah. Um, and in twenty years' time, the loan will be paid off, and they'd have a house worth one point six five million dollars. Mm-hmm. In this scenario, they wouldn't have anything else. But the reality is that there's super and stuff that comes into yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the alternative to that is that you know they they rent, um, invest the difference, as you said and modeled, invest the difference between the $980 a week mortgage repayments mm-hmm. and the $600 a week rent, which I assumed. Yep. So there's $380 a week um, there and available um, mm-hmm. to, to invest. Yep. Now, after 20 years, if, um, and we're also assuming that $150,000 that will be gone into the house deposit, is actually invested at the start as well. You know, yep. as well. Um, so the outcome over 20 years, assuming that there was a 9% return um, on the investment, mm-hmm. would be $1.85 million as yeah. opposed to the $1.65 million value of the house. Yeah. Um, or if you know, they were in a high growth type investment and had and 10%, Potentially two point one million dollars uh, yeah. would be available. Yeah. So, similar, so again, similar,
0: picture, similar picture to mine. Absolutely, you know, yeah. One who invested with the surplus, you know, um, was, a, was able to, um, you know, build up more assets. I guess the question could also be, you know, stated, Stephen. It's probably unrealistic, but you know, does does the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house cost more than you know the arbitrary rate of rent where repl- we're applying? um you know and then then and then that's dictating what surplus is available to invest um so you know it, it's probably unlikely um but but yeah it's just just a point to consider like yeah. you know do you realistically end up you know the house that you were going to buy. Does it cost you the same as the home loan costs? Um, and then, as a consequence, you actually didn't have anything left over because you were spending the same as rent on rent as you would in 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 a home loan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a I think that's a dilemma that some people are in at the moment, mm-hmm. um, especially with low interest rates. But yeah,
1: yeah. So short short story is that um, a lot of people ask about it. Um, the overwhelming um, num- you know, people that I, number of people I speak to you know, would want to buy a house and own a house at retirement. Yep. But I guess the point here is that it isn't necessarily the only way that it can be done. Um, hmm. And I have worked with, with clients over the years who have actually chosen to sell their family home at retirement and rent yep. so that they could free up the capital, so that they could have a comfortable... And um, enjoyable retirement, yeah. As opposed and, to having, as opposed to having the house asset and not much else. Yeah. Um, so.
0: and the house asset, the you know, is going to cost money to retain and maintain, mm-hmm. even when yep. the mortgage is not there. So, yep. so you know, we you, you've just got to, you've just got to remember it's not you know paying off the home loan isn't necessarily just that light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to suck money. It's mm-hmm. going to suck <laughs> money left, right, and center forever. Um, mm-hmm. So as we both both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but, but totally, you know, it is for, for some people, like if, if you're on the edge and you have no allegiance to actually owning a home, as you've just seen, it's potentially and financially more effective to rent within a band of, you know, how much that rental actually is going to cost. Um, and investing that surplus capital, and yeah, so it's not it's absolutely not for everyone because a lot of people don't necessarily carry that level of discipline that having a mortgage allows them to create, um, but if they're renting and they do have that discipline and they don't have an allegiance to owning a home, like it's a totally viable option that exists on the table
1: absolutely okay, excellent. well, I think we're done for today yeah thanks for in- thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it
0: well, okay. no you <laughs> You didn't originally do the Zoom link, so you needed yes. to invite me after the fact. But that's did, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's all, all good. Um, remember to share with your friends and family and acquaintances. Um, this general advice. You know, this you is general get, general advice only. Um, you'll warning
0: at the start, but you know we yeah. we are not giving you personalised financial advice. And but but if you want it, um, absolutely. You know, <laughs> more than happy for anyone to reach out.
1: Yeah. Um, Thanks for joining us again. We'll catch up with everyone again in a fortnight. See you later. Thanks, Luke. See you. Bye.